0: Morning, church. I am uh, slightly emotional because I hear that and I watch my boys and I watch these kids and the smiles in their faces and it gets me all weird. Right? Who told me that was okay? Alicia, thank you. Men cry, all right? Uh, good morning, Merry Christmas. I am, uh, like I said, I'm calling. I'm excited to bring the word this morning. And a couple things. I want to actually thank a few people here this morning. Um, I want to thank uh, my wife, who actually stayed in service this morning. Uh, normally she, she helps out in children's or is with one of our kids. Um, but I want to thank my wife just for her support, um, her love, her beauty. Um, and I, she's rolling her eyes at me. This is fine. I love my wife. Okay? Not ashamed of it. Um, amen. <laughs> she did not know that I was going to say that this morning. Yeah. Surprise. Um, I actually want to thank, uh, I don't know if she stayed in here, but Kirsten Tucky, um, our children's director. She is, is diligent in making sure that these things happen. Um, I only take partial credit for helping to kind of lead and organize this. She does a lot of, of the pieces for this morning and has a great passion for our kids. And so I just want to thank her. So if you see her, please Just thank her for the work that she does. Um, We work well together. We share the same vision for this next generation our young kids and teenagers. And so um, please thank her. And I also want to thank our tech team. Rarely do they ever get recognized. And especially this morning, they're dealing with multiple different things. And they could cut my mic off at any time. And so I want to thank. Yes. (laughs) All right, have a good day. (laughs) <laughs> I thought about whether or not to put that in there. Thank you for doing that. That was Noel and her Nate. But. This Christmas uh, for my wife and I is actually really significant. Last year at this time, uh, we were anticipating the birth of our fourth son, Silas. Uh, we we uh, had an interesting pregnancy with him, some, some medical things, um, and the Lord delivered him from those um, praises to him. Um, but he came three days before Christmas. And so last year, we actually spent our Christmas at home. Uh, we just got out of the hospital the day before Christmas Eve. And so we were able just to spend time together as a family. And now, uh, this, yesterday, we celebrated his, his first birthday party. And he turns one on the 21st. And we have no idea where this year went. Um, and he's walking um, pretty much now. Um, he's talking, kind of, solving complex chemistry equations. Um, <laughs> So just amazed at how fast our kids grow up, um, but looking forward to this Christmas because it's special for us as well. Um, before I get, get into this morning, um, I found this, this uh, uh, poem, and I want to read it this morning, and I think it does a great job of leading into uh, the message of this morning. O source of all good, what shall I render to you for the gift of gifts, your own dear son? Here in wonder of wonders, he came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like him. Here in his love, where I, when I cannot raise to him, he, he draws near on wings of grace to raise me to himself. Here in his power, when deity and humanity were infinitely apart, he united them in indissolvable unity, the uncreated and the created. Here in his wisdom, when I was undone, with no will to return to him and no intellect to devise recovery, he came, God incarnate, to save me to the uttermost, as man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf to work out a perfect righteousness for me. O God, take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. Let me hear good tidings of great joy and hearing, believe, rejoice, praise, adore. My conscience bathed in an ocean of rest, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled father. Place me with ox, donkey, camel, goat to look with them upon my Redeemer's face and in him account myself delivered from sin. Let me, with Simeon, clasp the newborn child to my heart, embrace him with undying faith, exalting that he is mine and I am his. In him you have given me more, so much more than heaven could give. Amen. I remember anticipating Christmas as a kid. And I luckily brought this story to my parents who are here this morning, so I kind of was able to correct myself, but I remember anticipating presents as a kid. We would know when mom and dad went Christmas shopping, okay? Really hard to hide the 18 bags of things coming into the house. And then we would find an opportunity to go find the hidden gifts, okay? Who did this as a kid? Don't lie, okay? You're in God's house. It's okay. You can raise your hand. We all went to go find the gifts. And so we as kids went to go find these gifts. And we found them one year. We actually found them multiple years. Sorry, mom and dad. But we got busted one year because my younger brother decided to talk, right? And so we found these gifts. My brother got us busted. And then what do my parents do? They, they just didn't wrap the gifts. They wrapped them in single-ply tissue paper under the tree so we could see exactly what was going on, what our gifts were. We knew what was coming, but we had to stare at them underneath the Christmas tree for like three weeks. <laughs> Horrible. But even after that, even after we knew what we were getting, we still anticipated Christmas. There was something inside of us that we anticipated. And our parents raised us with Christ was born. Jesus was born. It's significant. So yes, gifts are great. But there was something in us. And Jeremiah says that he's written eternity on the hearts of men. I really think that our children, they anticipate Christmas, not really because of these wrapped gifts, That's a distraction for them in their sinful hearts, but they know, they know that Jesus was born. They know that God came to this earth. That's what they're really anticipating. I've been anticipating this morning. It's been over a year since I've had the opportunity to give the word here on a Sunday morning. It's not a task I take lightly. I'm excited, I'm hopeful that the Lord will do a work in the hearts and minds of the saints this morning. Today, especially in the time and world that we live in, a day of uneasy rest, and, and we don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow. We need peace, but we have it. You could strip away the lights, the tree, the gifts, and we can be excited and celebrate this Christmas. A few weeks ago, I heard on the radio, it is more significant that God walked on earth than man walked on the moon. Now, I do not, I was probably a, f- a f- flicker in my parents' eye, because I'm not that old, but some of you were alive during that time. This was a magnificent event that man walked on the moon, and I would agree with this statement. It's actually more significant that God chose to walk on his, this earth, the earth that he created, than it is that we walked on the moon. In fact, I would love to see more excitement, more passion than many professing believers see here and show in sports, hunting, their fitness program, politics, or social agendas. Our love of Christ and his gospel, especially this time of year, should outshine all those earthly things. This is a season for us that we need to be reminded that Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us. He came to redeem and began to reconcile this broken creation back to himself. Colossians 1:19 and 20 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 What does this mean, hallelujah? And we heard Ty give a great explanation. It means to praise Yahweh and translate to praise the Lord. Why don't we say Yahweh? Why don't we just shout that out more and more and more? I'll tell you why. We respect the Old Testament name of God. It is reverent, so we really don't say it. The Jewish people did not say that word. They didn't even write it out. We have a reverence for Yahweh. We translate it to Lord. This phrase, praise the Lord, as it's translated, appears in English over 50 times in the Old Testament. And here is the interesting thing. It only appears once in the New Testament. This term, hallelujah. Little... uh, church participation does anybody know where it appears in the new testament i heard revelation i want to focus on that for a minute this word in chapter 19 is used in heaven a great multitude is gathered before the throne in the immediate presence of god himself at the supper of the lamb the enemies of god have been overthrown the gospel has triumphed praises that salvation glory and power belong to god himself And the sound is so overwhelming, the Apostle John can only describe it as a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder. I can't even imagine. Who's been to a rock concert? It doesn't have to be a Christian one, it's okay. Safe place, okay? And it gets loud, you hear this, you know, people cheer, and it's this kind of untangible noise. Multiply that by a million. And we'll maybe get a, a glisten of what heaven will be like. In fact, John is so overwhelmed by the very presence of this angel before him that he falls at the feet. But this, immediate, this angel immediately says, no, 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 I am a fellow servant of the, of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Worship God, not me. And I would say in that, worship Christ. Worship Jesus. So what is this testimony of Jesus? It starts in the Old Testament. It is written that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem that he would be born of a virgin, that he would crush the head of the serpent, that he would be a blessing to all nations, that he would be the root and offspring of David and come from the royal line of Judah. He would be a son, a child. His name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he will sit on the throne of David forever. He will sit at the right hand of God until he makes the enemies his footstool. So then this leads me actually back to Bethlehem the humble beginning of this Christ coming at the ordained time we tend to get impatient with God god i want it now i want it today i want it this morning but god has things ordained in time and he's going to bring about his purposes at the right time just like the birth of Christ we're singing or we're uh, reading for our boys an advent story and it's a, it's a fiction just made-up story, but it follows this idea of the birth of the Messiah, and it's this wrestling of Jewish people who don't understand it, and, and people who have read the scriptures, Jewish people have read the scriptures and said, no, 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 the Messiah is coming. In fact, we've met Elizabeth, and their, their son's name is John, and he's the forerunner to Christ. He's going to make a way for the Lord, and we've met Mary. We've met the mother of the Messiah. And it's this tension, and it's a children's story. But me and my wife are like, oh, we can't wait until tomorrow because we want to, we know the story, but it's anticipation of this, this story. This first advent, Christ came as a servant, he came as an insignificant baby, a position of weakness and frailty to a small audience of humble shepherds who had heard the proclamation from angels. And wise men, although from what we've heard this morning, there were probably not three. There might have been more. Okay? The scripture never actually gives us a number. Rock your world a little bit this morning. So that Christmas card you're sending out, uh, not accurate. Just saying. (laughs) And these wise men, I love you guys, who knew very little about this king. And I read something interesting. They came from the east. They maybe came from Persia. Well, we know from the scriptures that Daniel was in Persia. Very well have could have read the writings of Daniel about this coming Messiah, the star of Jacob. And they knew at this ordained time, they saw this bright light in the sky, this star, and they followed it. So they knew very little about who this Messiah was, but they said, We need to go follow that star and find out who this is. And they came and they kneeled at his presence. A baby. He came quietly. He came to a world that was unaware and unprepared for the king. He then grew up and willingly died a humiliating death on the cross for the sins of the world, though he was without sin. Three days later, he proclaimed victory over death and the resurrection, promising to come back again, and we hold to that promise. Amen. And this, this promise of him coming back, the second advent, Christ will come, not quietly, Not humbly, but as a king, a conquering king with power and glory, trumpets blaring as he gathers the elect and judges the world. The world will see Jesus in full glory and full power and fall before him. There will be no choice. The entire world will be aware and there will be no mistaking this arrival. My challenge this morning as we get to the passage that I'm going to read, is that I think too often we focus on the second coming. It's not a bad thing. So please just give me a little grace this morning. It's not a bad thing that we look forward to the second coming, but we forget that there's half the world that has not heard about the first coming. Hide in your heart the second coming, the second advent, but please proclaim the first one. We desire salvation for our souls and those we love. But Christmas was the beginning of something so much bigger than just our own personal salvation. Jesus begins his ministry with this phrase, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came to establish a kingdom, not an earthly one, an eternal one. Amen? Here's the heart of my message this morning as I'm halfway through it. This is intentional. As we reflect on the incarnate Christ, we must understand that at the powerful name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in either everlasting joy or everlasting shame. My text this morning is Philippians 2. If you have your Bibles this morning, please open up to Philippians 2. I'll be reading verses 6 to 11. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, This phrase, every knee and every tongue, comes from the Old Testament. Isaiah forty-five twenty-three. it says, By myself I have sworn, for my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. The main purpose of this passage is that God is the only one who can save his people. As opposed to the idols that were, that were being worshipped, and I would say our idols now that we worship today. God is the only one that can save us. God is God and there is no other. And this is repeated multiple times in Isaiah 45. The bottom line is that before God, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Here's our connection. God is Yahweh. God is Lord. And in this passage, Paul is connecting Jesus with being the Lord. Jesus is fully divine. He is God and he is God in the flesh. He is fully divine, the eternal one and the Messiah. And before I go to this next part, I like to challenge the church. So some of you have never heard me preach before. I even get this way on a Wednesday night. Where where am some of my students? I can get this way on a Wednesday night, and you guys know they're like already nodding their head. Yeah. So they already know what's coming. I love to challenge the church. I love to challenge the Christian to get out of your comfort zone. And grow. If the gospel is alive in your life, if Christ is abiding in you, there should be growth in your life. You should be spurring yourself on to holiness. And I challenge with that too, so trust me, church, as I preach this message, I've been going over this for two weeks. In my heart, in my mind, praying over it. My challenge this morning is your posture towards the name and person of Jesus, to his glory, is vital in your faith. This is where your theology of who Jesus is really matters. Mormons have it wrong. Jehovah's Witnesses have it wrong. Unfortunately, even some evangelicals have it wrong. They've taken away divine nature of Christ, made him to be some created being that God just blessed. I've even heard some evangelicals just compare him to good moral compass. Jesus is God, God in the flesh. If that's uncomfortable for you this morning, good, because it's truth, it should be uncomfortable. Jesus came, he walked this earth, he established his kingdom so that the gospel would go forth. He is our Prince of Peace. You want peace, you have it in Jesus. At the very mention of his name, if his presence, if his very self were here, If it were really manifested in this place, we would be so overwhelmed, we would fall on our face, no questions asked. We would not be taking out our cell phones and posing for selfies, right? Okay, my teenagers get that. A selfie is where you take out your cell phone, bring someone in, okay? Jesus, oh, Jesus is here! Yeah, hashtag holy selfie, hashtag... If Jesus really walked into this place, we would all fall before him. And somebody opened the door. I was like, oh, heart skipped a beat. This passage from Philippians is a call to Christian humility as Jesus being the example. The example, however you want to say it. It was Christ who, being in the very form of God, emptied himself, not of his deity, but of certain divine qualities. Teaching moment. The Greek word for emptied is kenao, which we get the theological term kenosis, which means that Jesus emptied himself of some of his divine qualities. As a servant, he restricted what he really knew and what he could do, but he was still fully God. Jesus did this willingly as he saw keeping equality and power of God, not something to be exploited or kept for his own benefit or advantage. In verses six to eight, we see Christ first humbling himself, becoming man, the form of a servant to the point of death on a cross. And then in verses nine to 11, the Father highly exalts Jesus above all things so that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. With all this evil we see in the world, no, this morning, Jesus is reigning. He is on the throne. He is in charge. Do we doubt that this morning? Don't. The word says he is reigning now. He is seating at the right hand of God the Father, and at the right time he will come back and rescue the church. Even in his, his exalted state, Jesus is still showing loving submission to his Father because as you read that, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That sort of humility we need today in this world. As I close, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. When Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, he did so humbly. The shepherds, the wise men, the Jew the Gentile those who knew about the coming Messiah and those who knew very little humbled themselves before him as a child Mary recognized that salvation came from God as she's saying in Luke my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior Mary was a vessel she is not to be worshiped If you want to talk about that I will be up front after the service Mary is a person She recognized that she needed salvation as well. The disciples, the apostles, they gave their life to the name of Jesus, counting their own life as loss as compared to the glory and joy in Christ. And as I was reading through the scriptures, even at the garden, as Jesus is praying for his disciples, for those who will believe in John 17, the soldiers who came to arrest him even fell at his feet at the very mention of his name. Are you Jesus of Nazareth? I am. And they fell down before him. That's how quick it would happen for us. Men who came to arrest him fell and worshipped him. They didn't even really know who he was. just thought he was some dude. He came humble the first time. But he is coming back again. And at His name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hebrews 9 tells us that it is appointed for each of us to die once. We cannot avoid death. Although we have creams and surgeries that can make us look a little longer, you will die. And you will have to face Jesus someday. The message of the season is that God gave us a way to salvation, where we do not have to fear that day of judgment, and it is one. Thing, faith in his son Jesus Christ there is nothing you can do say or perform in any way to gain that ticket to heaven it is faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone the Lord is patient the word calls us to respond to this message of salvation granted only through Jesus this morning you Christian Carry that message with joy. You've been commanded to, but have joy in that message. God gave us a way. Go to your family, your friends, your neighbors. Maybe they're even sitting next to you this morning. This Christmas, tell them about Christ. It is the true gift. Your name, your social status, your church attendance, your sketchy past, your current successes, how much you give to the church or missions, your following on social media, do not grant assurances or peace or compare to the glory or riches found in Jesus Christ. Those things can be good, okay? So please give to the church, give to missions, do those things, but they do not compare to the glory and peace that is found in just the name of Christ, the person of Christ alone. And here's the beauty of this gospel message. Because I can call it beautiful, even though we stand before a God who will judge us, we are secure and safe and we have peace. Why? Because Jesus stands between us and God's wrath. Those who have responded to the gospel in repentant faith will kneel joyfully today and on that day. Those who have rejected the call of the gospel will do so with great shame and trembling on the day of judgment. So my question with you this morning is, what is your response to that message? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. We come here with sometimes a a preconceived idea of what church is going to be. Even this morning, we knew that it was going to be a children's program, that we were going to be watching kids sing and and smile, and I thank you for that laughter and the joy in their, in their faces and in those songs. But we need the gospel. We need Jesus. And as these kids are up here s- singing on stage, Lord, save them. And if they have proclaimed that saving faith, keep them saved. Spur them on to maturity in, in faith. Help them to grow into the word. Help them ask questions. Father, for the saints who are sitting in church this morning, encourage them in their walk. If they have strayed away, bring them back. If they have questions, give them the grace to ask those questions. We can have peace because we don't have to try and find God. You came to us. So Lord, I thank you for this morning. I know that your word is powerful. It is a double-edged sword and it will do the work that it needs to do. And so I give you all the praise and glory and honor. And I look forward to this Christmas as we celebrate you coming in the flesh in the form of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: stand, we're going to sing this last song In Christ Alone which basically wraps up that message that he just gave us In Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song fiercest drought and storm, what heights are up, what depths of peace, when fears are still Power
0: of Christ, does stand. Amen. We, uh, Merry Christmas. I don't care what's going on in the world today, it is going to be a Merry Christmas. Amen. 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 This morning, a, amen. This morning, if you need prayer, I want, I'm going to be down front, uh, if anybody from our prayer team wants to to come up front as well i would i would ask that you would do that we want to pray for you want to answer questions i want to encourage you this morning if you're good we have cookies and coffee please go fellowship i know people are going to run for sugar but go fellowship and enjoy one another's company this morning god bless and have a great christmas thank you